Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Part two of Sir Francis Drake. Last week, oh wait, I'm just like shooting right off. Anyway, uh, yeah, you, 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 it's that's what people do. It's the podcast. You got me, Ryan McGowan, hosting this week again because it's part two. I've got James K with me again. James, how? Hello. You were fucking organs blazing there, weren't you? I was ready to go straight into it. Um, yeah, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm well. Another week in quarantine as it's slowly lifting or getting worse. I don't know which yep. what's happening at the minute. Uh, no, this week all unessential shops are allowed to open again, so we can go to Primark and buy two pound pairs of socks and get ten. So that's good, apparently. Yeah, I, I won't be doing much clothes shopping. I didn't anyway, so I'm not going to start now. No, um, but yeah, uh, McDonald's queues are five hours it's long. IKEA queues are several hours long as it's well. It's just mad, isn't it? Like you can survive without a Big Mac and your fucking a new bedside table for a little bit. Just calm down. Well, some people can. I'm currently in the process of moving house, so I am looking for all this sort of stuff, and I'm wondering where I'm going to get it all from because I'm not waiting in the queue for IKEA for several hours. There'll be like, there'll be, there's so many other places you can get most shit off Amazon. To be fair, or like check out independent places that might have like struggled through. Yes, we do not condone Amazon. Amazon's awful, but it has been very useful. That's this is the issue. Oh, oh, tangent already. I had this conversation with a friend about like Weatherspoons and Amazon shit and uh, companies that perhaps we should boycott. And he said with Weatherspoons, it's easy to boycott because there's so many of the pubs that you can just simply walk to. Yeah. Whereas Amazon, it's quite often financially unviable to look elsewhere because independent shops will be more expensive. Yeah. So you need to fight your battles where you can, but sometimes necessity wins over. That's true. The problem is, with what's gone on now, Amazon's almost made itself immovable. You cannot get rid of it now. It's solidified itself as the the uh, the shop of necessity. It has everything you need whenever yeah. you need it. Mm, absolutely. Anyway, let's crack on, shall we? Um, Sir Francis Drake, part two, pirate or privateer? So last week, uh, we finished off with Drake now back on English soil after three years at sea, raiding and circumnavigating the globe as he went. Which obviously, we, as we discussed last week, circumnavigating the globe was purely by accident. He never set out to circumnavigate the world. He just did it because he was so good at raiding Spanish in South America 
they were all on high alert and he went fuck i can't go back the same way i went so i'm gonna have to just go another way and then end up going around the whole entire world so that's could be an accident but still that's what he's famous for now so anyway let's crack on shall we so his journey around the world meant his ship was full to the brim with treasures as i say last episode a privateer is commissioned by their nation state and has sponsors who provide them with funding and ships so when a privateer returns to port the loot is then split or sold making near all of those involved considerably financially better off okay now when drake returned that was no different his booty was split up and sold between him uh, making him a very very rich man and allowing him to take about £10,000 for himself, which is, we're talking uh, like 1580s money, so like £10,000 is a lot of money back then. Like even Queen Elizabeth yeah. would be like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd definitely take £10,000. In fact, the equivalent today is around several million pounds, so, you know, it's quite a lot. Queen Elizabeth's share, you remember she was one of his uh, main sponsors, her share of mm -hmm. the loot, and the, this is the crazy bit, brought back by Drake was more than the Crown's royal income for the whole year. Fucking hell, he really so, raided the yeah, Spanish. Really fucking raided the Spanish, right? So, the obviously, at this point, um, we have a, what's starting to become a bit more of a constitutional monarchy where the, the Parliament sets the budget and uh, basically gives the royalty their money for the year what drake brought back to elizabeth was like this is your share was more than what parliament would have given her anyway in fact it was so much more that it paid off the entire national debt bloody hell that's how much money sir francis drake managed to steal off the spanish in his three-year voyage just fucking going pirate all over the caribbean and south america that's He's so crazy. much fucking plunder. So much plunder. And now now I think El Drake makes more sense. Like, the Spanish were absolutely terrified of El Drake. Fucking so Drake hell. Is, yeah. Drake is a national hero upon his return. He's the first Englishman to go around the world. And he helped write off the national debt. He made the Queen exuberantly wealthy and had a rags-to-riches story what is not to like at this point okay and the queen even did something that was rather odd by some at this point she gifted a uh, she gifted drake a jewel pendant with an official portrait of her inside now to the hereditary nobles this kind of gift would not be out of the ordinary to favorites of the queen who have some sort of standing but for her to give a portrait of herself encased in a jewel-encrusted pendant to a commoner was downright bizarre. Which I think is sort of shows to like, there was a class system of that sin. It's like, yeah, this man has made some money, but this man is not old money. This dude is new money and we don't like him. Mm. He's a pirate. In fact, he was called a pirate by some in court and he hated it. He was like, I'm not a pirate. I'm a privateer. This is all legal and above board. Although he was a pirate and he didn't. 100%. Yeah. Now, on the most exuberant of gifts bestowed upon Drake was a knighthood. So, obviously, Drake was knighted by the Queen aboard the deck of the Golden Hind, which is a very, very nice, famous story. Or was he? 
So if you look at pictures of Sir Francis Drake, if you had a quick Google right now, if you're listening, have a quick Google, Sir Francis Drake, and then have a look on the images. Somewhere along, you'll see there are images of um, Queen Elizabeth with a sword in hand, dabbing them on his shoulders, right? But that's not exactly how it went down. The Queen did announce that Drake would be knighted, but she was not the one present aboard the Golden Hind. She was in a bit of a diplomatic game of Twister. See, a French diplomat, his name is Monsieur Machalmont, which I really hope I pronounced right because it sounded right in my head. He was sent to England on behalf of the King of France to negotiate the marriage between his brother, Francis of Anjou, and the Queen. It's also, I don't know if it's important to mention at this point, but I feel like I have to. At this point, Queen Lizzie, obviously, you know, famous for being the Virgin Queen, She's in her 40s at this point, and young Francis of Anjou, he's 24, and apparently he was very fond of her. Ooh. Mm. I mean, she is a queen after all, but, you know, he apparently was very, very flirtatious. This is a young French 24-year-old, proper flirting with this cougar, and he's like, yeah, girl, you still got it. <laughs> apparently she's quite fond of him. Yeah, if you've not? got the she's chat, the go for it. Exactly, she's the queen, why not? Like... If he marries her, he could be the king. It's totally behalf. Anyway, on the other side of this game of Twister, you've got the Spanish, who are not best pleased with, as they would call him, the pirate El Drake. So, you know, he's running around England. He's being called a hero under the guise of a privateer. And one of these things stopping the Spanish going all empire and armada on the English was the fact that the Queen was courting with the French. So if the Spanish reacted, the Queen would marry the French, allying them to her, and demolish the Spanish. So Elizabeth knows this and is definitely playing it to her advantage. And what better way to please the French than to have the diplomat, Monsieur Machelmont, act in her stead and knight the first Englishman to circumnavigate the world. You know, it's a pretty big baller move from her. A smart. Mm. She's got, like... The whole thing with Queen Elizabeth, just as a side, it's not an episode about her, but she's kind of important at this point of this story. She's the Virgin Queen. She never marries. She never takes on a husband or anything like that. She's always like, oh, no, fuck it. I'll just be a Virgin Queen. I'm powerful. I'll do what I want. And she does. And doesn't anyone stop her. And, like, at this point, she's just being a right old little, like, floozy. She's playing the French off against the Spanish and being like, hey, Spain. You do anything, I'm going to marry this bastard because he's got a big kingdom as well and then we'll just fucking ruin you. But, like, I don't understand why she never does it in the first place. Like, if she just did it, what's, what, what harm is it? But she's like, nah, I'm an independent woman. I do what I want. And I like that. Big time. <laughs> she's fucking smart. This woman is actually really smart. It's, like, yeah. it's underrated how intelligent and smart this woman is. So, Drake was not knighted by the Queen, but by a French diplomat acting in her stead. And the reason we think that Drake was knighted by the Queen today is due to good old Victorian imperialism. Topical. Mm, very. Yeah. So put it this way, right? This is going to all come clear. It, would make, it, would, it made more of a patriotic story to have the most famous English maritime explorer knighted by one of the most famous female English monarchs. 
Now, at that time, Great Britain was, you know, ruling the waves and had a female monarch in Queen Victoria. See how these things kind of like, you know, universally, but just, they just align. You've got yeah. England is quite literally ruling the waves. Who better to have the, that as their sort of maritime god, Sir Francis Drake, be a part of that story. You've got the Queen Victoria being likened to one of the most famous, well, the only other famous female English monarch, knighting the most famous English maritime hero. You know, it all just lines up. It's 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 just patriotic. Um, you know, I can't. What's the word? What's the word? What's the word? Patriotic pa- propaganda. It's patriotic mm. propaganda at its finest. You're gonna have people being like, you know. We're doing this in Sir Francis Drake's name and Queen Elizabeth and all this sort of stuff. And I think it would have just got a lot of people's, you know, imperial boners up. Yeah. So, yeah. The boy who grew up on a farm in Kent is now a knight of the realm. He's Sir Francis Drake. And with a knighthood, Drake was allowed to bear the arms of the old Devon family, the Drakes of Ash, which was a red wyvern. Now, do you know the difference between a wyvern and a dragon? Uh, don't have a clue. Uh, a wyvern are the dra- right. You've, you know Game of Thrones. You've seen that. Yep. What What is uh, Daenerys's pets? Are they dragons or wyverns? Well, to me, they're dragons. Exactly. They are wyverns. Wyverns are like dragons, but they don't have two front arms, as in like they don't have four limbs and wings. Oh, okay. A dragon has four legs and wings. A wyvern has two legs and wings. That's it. Interest. Oh, that. Okay. 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 Yeah. So that's a wyvern. Um, now the head of that family, Sir Bernard Drake, he was not happy that Francis was claiming heritage of the family. Just some farm boys. Like I'm not having that. He was so offended by that that apparently it's, it's documented that he clocked Francis Drake around the ears in court. He was like, I'm not having this. Bang. Smacked him. Now, as a way to please everyone, good old Queenie allowed Drake to have his own coat of arms. It was your typical shield with what is called a fess wavy in the middle going horizontal. It looks like um, a river or like, you know, waves of the sea going across from left to right. It's just it just splits the shield bit in the middle. OK, now on either side of this uh, top and bottom would be what are called pole stars representing the Arctic and the Antarctic. And then on top of those, on top of the shield part, there would be a ship which was sat on top of a globe. And the ship would have a cable held by a divine hand. And on that would be a motto, Auxilio Divino, which was Latin for with divine help. And the most famous of his mottos, which was underneath that, said uh, Sic Parvis Magna, which is Latin for thus great things from small things come. Which I think is a really cool one. Thus great things. Yeah. Which makes sense because he was like, I was just a lowly farm boy and now I'm the knight of the realm. So, Drake has money, and he has fame, but what he really needs is influence. Like I said, most people in court still called him a pirate, and they weren't that keen on him as it was. It didn't matter how much money or Mm. power he got, at the end of the day, he was still seen as this farm boy turned pirate. So, riding on his fame, in 1581, he becomes the mayor of Plymouth, and later became an MP for three different constituencies over the years. He was quite a successful MP in that sense, properly riding on his like fame, though, at that point. Also, 
we have to remember at this point in history you, you, um voting is not like voting today it, it's not it's not polling day and everyone sort of gets up walks to their local village hall and you know pops a little tick in the box if you didn't own land you didn't vote well you couldn't you had you could only vote if you had land or or if you had a penis well, if you're a woman you're not voting either Not many no, people could no, vote. No, so not many people could vote. So in actual sense, me saying that he was quite a successful MP really still doesn't really do anything. He was the MP uh, for three different constituencies and it would have turned out that the majority of the people who were constituencies of that area would never have been able to have voted for him in the first place anyway. So it's pointless. <laughs> so he was in the constituency of Camelford in Cornwall, an MP. But he never attended Westminster and was actually granted a leave of absence for, quotes, certain his necessary business in the service of Her Majesty, which to me sounds like he was on another job for the Queen, but that's all hush-hush. No one knows about that. Drake supposedly said, quotes, It isn't that life ashore is distasteful to me, but that life at sea is better. So he definitely liked being a pirate. Absolutely, yeah, loved it. That's how he made his money, and that's how he will continue to make money. It's kind of all he really knows. Now, in 1583, he became the MP for uh, Bossini, which is in Cornwall, and this time was more present, expressing expressing his interests in the navy, fishing, and early American colonization, which everyone seems to forget about as well. Like uh, we, when we think of uh england and american colonization we think you know um we think like uh george washington and all that sort of stuff in fact this shit goes on even yeah. earlier late 1500s which is crazy when you think about it how like mm. how long ago we started doing all this yeah of course because before george washington obviously the british and the french and everyone had to land in mainland america and yeah build it up fights and that because the War of Independence only happened when, obviously, the people that had settled went up against the king. Yeah, yeah. when they decided to say, well, without representation, why should I pay tax for what's happening in Newcastle? I'm not interested. Like, I live in, I live in Virginia. Exactly. Like, not... Imagine if that war never took place and we were still, like, one. It's crazy, weird, but wouldn't then it? You'd also, it, 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 I suppose it would be, like, Canada. Yeah, oh, like part of the Commonwealth, but a different country. It would be part of the Commonwealth, but it, I imagine, would have its own independence. Yeah, how different things would be, though. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a really good YouTube channel called Alternate History. Um, if you if you have five minutes or anything, check out Alternate History, and he does like really quite good videos about you know if things hadn't happened in history, how might it turn out? Um, if he hasn't already, I'd like to think he'd do one about colonization of america and the american war of independence anyway um when his term was up he spent more time out on expeditions officially or unofficially because sometimes he would have letters of mark from the queen saying he was allowed to play a privateer sometimes he might not and that would make him a pirate although according to the spanish he was a pirate on every occasion anyway so in 1593 he became an mp for plymouth who focused on issues relating to plymouth and preparations for a defense against spain should it come because he still hates Spain. Now, this is the part where we talk about the Spanish Armada. 
How much do you know about the Spanish Armada, James? There was a lot of ships. A lot. There was a lot of ships. A lot. A lot. A lot of ships. Yeah. So, as we were saying earlier, in the game of diplomatic twister, there were no bigger rivals than England and Spain. Spain was still, and I think remains to this day, a very deeply Catholic country, and they were still bitter with what Henry had done breaking away from the Catholic Church. Think of Spain at this time as like your friend who has your back on anything, no matter what. Even if um, you know, you're wrong and you sell favours to get people into heaven and create such a vast wealth of gold and land that you become the richest and largest landowners in the world at that time and literally create a priest king sitting in Rome who gets to dictate to other kings what to do. Spain will always have your back. Right, that's who they are at this point. Now these guys were serious about their Catholicism and went to vast lengths to root out blasphemy. But what nobody expected was the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> um, right, we're not talking about the Spanish Inquisition today, but it was impossible for me to talk about medieval Spain and not mention it. Yeah, of course. Nobody expected it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Spain and its king, Philip's, Philip Philip II. I've got Philip. I've heard some people say Philippe, but Philippe sounds a bit too French for me, so I've gone Philip. Phil. Good old Phil. Good old Phil II. Second Phil. Uh, Spain and its king, Philip II, was not on best terms with England and Queen Lizzie. So she was a Protestant queen. She was the head of a Protestant nation, which was beginning to rival Spain. And what really pisses off Philip is the English Protestant pirates, as he would refer to them, not privateers, were sailing up and down the Caribbean and destroying and looting his ships filled with treasure bound for Spain. I mean, in all fairness, that was going on. It was going on, and he was fully aware of it. Everyone had heard of El Drake, and they didn't like him, and he wanted something done about it. Now, he channeled his inner Karen and wrote many letters to the Queen, asking her to sort out her boys like El Drake. But old Lizzie, like I said before, she's a smart woman, right? She's played the whole, oh, I'm but a feeble woman who can't really control the boys. What do you expect me to do? Boys will be boys. Well, so she <laughs> played totally dumb. what she did. Yeah, pretty much. She was like, what do you expect me to do? Like, I'm just, just, I'm just a woman. <laughs> Fuck. I know, right? Fucking, she's, she's so brilliant. And then when the <laughs> Spanish Armada comes along later on, she does a big speech and she's like, I might be, I might have the body of just like a feeble woman, but I have the heart and the stomach of a king or is it a lion or something like that, she mm. says. And it's like, yeah, man, she knows what she's doing. She's smart. She plays on her own sexuality all the time. Yeah. It's brilliant. So all the while, like I say, she, she's sitting there going, oh, but I'm not doing anything. I have no control over these boys. All the while, she's actually sending out Drake on expeditions to make a, effectively a preemptive strike on Spain. <laughs> Fucking snakey. She's, fucking, she's such a snake, man. It's so funny. So he set sail from uh, Plymouth with 21 ships and 1,800 men. And they ransacked the Spanish Caribbean again, looting and destroying precious supplies as they went. He hit uh, Vigo on the Spanish coast, which is such a ballsy move. Mm. He actually went to mainland Spain and went, nah, fuck it, I'm having it. Uh, he then hit Cape Verde, which is another Spanish colony. Then he hit the Dominican Republic. Then he went to Cartagena in Colombia. 
and finally hit Florida before heading north to the coast of the Americas with a ship absolutely filled to the brim again with treasure and supplies when leaving Spain just sort of like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> so, as I say, after he left Florida, he needs somewhere to um, port and make some repairs. But obviously, he's just fucked up the whole Caribbean and they're all on high alert, so he can't go anywhere near there. He has to go up north along the coast of the Americas, which is now what we would call the United States of America. There was a special little settlement, and it was an English settlement, one of the first settlements in England, in America. You may have recognised the name, Roanoke. Rings a bell, but I don't know where from. Have you ever watched American Horror Story? Yeah. There is a series, American Horror Story, Roanoke, uh, which has... The, uh, the old English settlement Roanoke uh, right, okay, as part okay. of the main story uh, Roanoke now is uh, I think I think it is correct me if I'm wrong um, the first ever English settlement in the Americas which was established by Sir Walter Raleigh um, fun fact as well Sir Walter Raleigh is in Blackadder 2 and is played by Rick Mayle he's a really interesting guy I feel like an episode on him at some point would be yes so um if, if you're interested at all, anyone, uh, for the majority of my um, sources, there is a, a timeline documentary called Queen Elizabeth and Her Pirates, and it's about Sir Francis Drake and Sir Walter Raleigh. Because didn't um, he was the one that famously, sort of, did he put his coat or something over a puddle to allow the Queen to walk over it? Was that him? That's the legend, yeah. That's the legend, yeah. He, he was apparently such a flamboyant. And actually, Sir Walter Raleigh and Sir Francis Drake are distant cousins. Oh, no way. Yeah. Uh, they they come from the same family. And then he was um, tossed in the Tower both... of London, wasn't he? That's, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Sir Walter Raleigh. And actually, he's a very, very interesting person. And he's definitely worth an, uh, worth a episode on. Because mm. of, especially with, with his uh, Roanoke expedition. Yeah. Didn't do so much sailing himself. He's not like his cousin Francis, where he loves being out on the sea and sailing. But he does put a shitload of money into ships and putting ships out there but he was also a privateer himself Mm. but yes you've got Roanoke which is now the um, infamous English settlement which is supposedly haunted and no longer there anymore today but this is where Sir Francis Drake made port and made precious repairs before once again returning home to England but what the straw that really broke the camel's back for King Philip II of Spain was Lizzie's support of the Protestant Dutch revolt against the Spanish overlords. Uh, Spain, at that point, is king of, obviously, Spain. All of, like, Spanish's empire in Americas, Portugal, and I think, for the most part, a lot of uh, the Netherlands. And you've got a lot of Protestant Netherland Dutch people being like, we want to have a go against Spain. And Lizzie was like, yeah, do what you want, mate. You've got my support. Mm. So then there was the Dutch revolt. This proper pissed off Philip. He was done with her shit completely. And he pleaded with the Pope, who gave papal consent to England, overthrow the Queen and install a Catholic monarch. Now, Philip was now on a quest from God and arranged for a huge armada to be created. Now, this is all good and well, but the Queen got an ace up her sleeve. In March of 1587, she sends Drake to don the moniker of El Drake once again. 
and now asks her asked him to patrol the Mediterranean to slow supplies to the Spanish mainland from Italy. He, of course, is successful, but it gets better. She also gave him another little side order, like a side quest. She's like, right, if you spot any of that Spanish armada building up or floating around, I want you to have a go at it. And he's like, yeah, I'll do what you want, mate. Whatever you want. It's all on me. You, I've got your back. And that's exactly what happened. On his way back home, he's laden with treasure and stolen supplies from the Mediterranean, in the Mediterranean from Spanish ships and Italian ships. And he sails past Cadiz in mainland Spain. What he sees would maybe have scared others, but not El Drake. He saw a port packed to the brim with ships readying themselves for a good wind to set sail against the English. Now, I can only imagine at that point, what he did is he grabs his fucking strongest bit of spirits he's got in his cupboard and he takes a big old swig of it, slaps himself in the face like four or five times, giving himself up, and then gets his crew and he sails right on into the lion's den, attacking and uh, attacking all them sitting ducks of Spanish ships. Now, the numbers here are contradictory, but Sir Francis Drake reckons he sunk, and I mean sunk, 39 ships but the spanish say it was more closer to 25 either way it's a fucking big baller move and there's there's, there's too many ships to be sinking man he's coming in with some serious big dick energy he's sinking ships left right center and he's doing it on the spanish mainland which is proper pissing them off hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Yeah, I imagine like... It just it baffles me that the Spanish didn't go right. Let's take out this one dude first. Yeah, clearly exactly. he's fucking ruining us. The thing is, so as I said in last week's episode, Drake has pretty much become an expert in uh, very fast guerrilla naval warfare. He comes in out of nowhere, just attacks, 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 and before you even know it, and you've sorted yourself out, he's gone. He's like smoke. He's just out. It's fact, mad, because if you surrounded him by, like, five Spanish ships, he wouldn't stand a chance. Yeah, well, Drake had smaller ships, which were apparently very nimble as well. He was really good at it. I mean, this dude is actually untouchable at this point. Now, his raid became known as the singeing of the king's beard and set back the armada at least another year, and Drake was <laughs> promoted to vice-admiral of the English fleet. Um Horrible Histories actually do a really funny little sketch about the Spanish Armada and it's set up to be like um, 
uh, you got this guy coming, and he's like, we have the most invincible armada. And then the bloke comes in, he's like, yeah, one bloke's just come in and destroyed it all. He's like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, a year later, like a bad sequel, this time it's personal. May the 28th, the new and improved armada set sail. Drake was enjoying a leisurely game of bowls when he was told that a fleet of Spanish ships were coming up the English coast. Drake's response to this was, quote, Time enough to play the game and thrash the Spanish afterwards. <laughs> That's <laughs> a big dick move. Isn't it? <laughs> now, what is genuinely quite interesting at this point, and it might be worth a discussion, is his hesitance and why he hesitated. There is an argument that Drake really isn't that bothered by the Spanish Armada, its fleet, or anything like that. And actually, engaging with them as Vice Admiral is not really of interest to him. See, what Drake wants is to be commissioned to fight them. He, he doesn't seem to have this patriotic duty built in him. He's a commoner who's played the system and made his fortune off his own back, you know, from the sweat of his own brow and feels that he doesn't really owe the country anything. Um, so, but And then there's also another theory says, uh, some people have gone back and they reckon they've looked at um, that time in history, at that point where apparently he was told there wasn't a good tide or a wind or anything like that, so it wouldn't make no sense for him to just get on his ships and try and sail, because he wouldn't have gone anywhere for so much time anyway. So it was like, he, apparently he knew that somehow, and went, nah, it's right, I'll wait until the tide's in. Um but no one really knows which one's which. But mm. so far, what we've learnt about Sir Francis Drake, would you? What would you say was his sort of motivation for hesitancy? Would you? I, I would say that he 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 was waiting for the money. Yeah. Because everything he's done has been money driven, like collecting treasure, etc. He wasn't attacking. Well, he attacked them a year ago maliciously. But yeah, he he wants to be paid. He's not going to do it just for no reason. Yeah, I think it was really sort of like fair to say that. In last week, we learned uh, the reason he hates the Spanish was because after that journey expedition that he was a part of where they traded slaves to the Caribbean, um, he was attacked by the Spanish and then he went on his own rampage against the Spanish off his own back, which would make him a pirate. And then that sort of seems to be a thing that he really enjoys doing, but he'd rather be paid for it. Yeah. You know, and actually, if he acts as vice admiral of the English fleet, he doesn't make any money from that. He doesn't really get anything from it, except for the fact that he's just got a name as vice admiral. But that makes no difference. Um, yeah, I would argue that maybe he's he, he's just waiting for the Queen to come up to him and say, like, I need your help. I'm going to commission you to do this, that and the other. If you're good at something, never do it for free. Ooh, very good quote from a very good film. So, as I say, Drake is not a man who fights pitched battles this is also something to maybe consider as i said he's an expert at surprise attacks and running away afterwards counting all the loot not drawn out naval battles that's not what he's good at nonetheless he heads out and meets his mortal enemy but he would not drop all of his pirating ways it's not clear at this point if he was ever commissioned by the Queen when the Armada came in or whether it was just because he is the, uh, the, vice, the vice admiral of the English fleet that he kind of just has to do it. That is his job at the end of the day. So I would argue that he probably wasn't commissioned, although that was maybe his hesitancy. He was waiting for the Queen to come up and say, look, uh, you're allowed to go out privateering, look, do this, that, the other. When actually, in fact, I think she just went, 
go out and do your fucking job. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, so Drake is leading a squadron of ships chasing the Armada. Now, Drake would be the head of the ship with a formation of them behind him. At the back of Drake's ship would have a lantern and on the rear, uh, on the rear of it, which would be there to guide the other ships behind him. But Drake's lantern mysteriously extinguished and even more mysteriously Drake's ship randomly disappeared now it turns out what? Yeah, it turns out Drake had gone off on his own and went all Drake about it and started going after the Spanish ship called Rosario which was coincidentally the Spanish pay ship which was carrying 50,000 golden ducats fucking hell he knew where the gold was <laughs> exactly he was like, if I'm not going to get paid, like in terms of like, the Queen, I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to I'm, I'm going to go after a ship. It's a Spanish ship, and they'll go, but it's it's the treasure ship. I didn't know. <laughs> say, why were they bringing treasure over to war? I don't get that. Uh, right, so uh, maybe I should have explained that a bit better. The whole point of the Armada was obviously, as I say, Spain had um, was running um, the Netherlands as well at, this, at that point. The Netherlands is significantly closer to England than it is to than Spain is to England, and on in the Netherlands they had like thousands of soldiers waiting to be picked up. So the whole point of the Armada was they were going to send hundreds of ships to the Netherlands, where then they would pick up all the sh- soldiers, and then from the Netherlands they'd, they'd make land at England, and then they would that's where they would invade. That was the whole point. So they were heading to the Netherlands at this point, and that's where they generally they were intercepted by the English. So that pay ship, okay. that pay ship is obviously to pay all the soldiers and pay off for like all the other ships and anything else that needs doing. That's what that's for. Which you'd think, right? Okay. Surely they'd want to spread the wealth out. You know, don't put all your your eggs in one basket. But mm. I don't know. Anyway. So yeah, <laughs> Drake's contemporaries were pissed about this, but El Drake is going to El Drake. And ironically, although it seriously benefits Drake, taking out that treasure ship seriously hurt the Spanish. So in a way, he's doing his job. He's harassing the enemy yeah. with quick attacks and disappearing like a ghost. So um, a lot of his contemporaries called him a coward and said, oh, you're just a pirate. And he was like, no, I did my job. Like, having a go at that Spanish ship and taking out all that money, they can't pay for anything else. So that really hinders them, doesn't it? And they're like, mm. yeah, you've got a point. And he could just say, I didn't know it was a treasure ship. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I just went after the first ship. And they went, yeah, but why did you turn out your lights and stop us following you? And he was like, I don't know. It, a strong wind. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so the Armada was eventually defeated. This is not an episode about the Spanish Armada and its significant battles and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not going to go into it too much. Uh, the Armada has been defeated by a combination of luck and bad weather, which is... Also very, very funny, actually, if you look into it more. Now, with the naval superpower on its knees, privateering was a booming career, with more and more commissions being given every year. And Drake was a man of action. He's an adventurer, a fighter. But that's a young man's game. And Drake is now well into his 50s, and he's not as invincible as he once thought. See, the Queen had ordered Drake to sail to Portugal and attempt to repeat his attack on the Spanish in Cadiz. Remember, Spain also owns Portugal at this point. Mm -hmm. Now, it was without unequivocal failure. Thousands of English soldiers dead, right? 
on this attack in Portugal. And this was a massive blow to Drake, whose reputation took an absolute dive. And remember as well, his reputation is not brilliant anyway. Everyone thinks he's a pirate as it is. Yeah. Now, in 1595, all that was really remembered of Drake at this point was his recent failures. All of his famous expeditions of his youth were fading from memory. And he was determined to write his name in the history books for good. Which is odd, because you'd think being the first Englishman to circumnavigate around the world would be like, that. you've pretty much solidified yourself at that point. Absolutely. But he, some for some reason, didn't think so. Maybe because of all the sort of bullying he received in court, just being a, a lowly farm boy turned pirate. He was like, it's yeah. not worth it, it's not worth it, I need to do more. So, he's late into his 50s at this point, and he made sail to the Caribbean once more, and it would be his last. He attempted several raids, donning the El Drake name, but he would not live up to it. He would fail on every single occasion that he attempted to attack people, and Drake would die at sea from dysentery in January of 1596. Drake's final, hmm. Drake's final request was to be buried at sea in full armour, and he was laid in a lead-lined coffin, which was sealed and dropped in the sea somewhere off the coast of Portobello in, in Panama. And his coffin is today considered the holy grail of maritime archaeology and is still today being hunted for. So if you are interested, anyone, you can go have a hunt for Sir Francis Drake's grave. If you can find his coffin, you'd be a very rich person. That's interesting, because it'll be at the bottom of the sea somewhere. Yeah, well, they actually have um, uh, like a location written down back when Drake was dropped off. They were like, oh, it's so, so many leagues off the coast of Portobello, so-and-so, so-and-so. Um, but obviously that's like like nearly 500 years ago, so it, tides and stuff, it could be long gone. You probably have to dig as well. There's probably loads of crap on top of it yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Like um, under the bed, bedrock. Although there is, there is a, a, a documentary program called like Expedition something I watched about Drake, and uh, they were looking for his 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 coffin and um yeah they did go burying they did go diving for what this area where they thought it would be and they did find old like cannons and stuff from english ships and i was like oh that's so cool like you you feel like you're getting close at that point um mm. i would love to go out like and just go treasure hunting yeah there's gonna, there's so much shit all over the world just still buried that's been forgotten about i think i have to buy myself like a metal detector and just go wandering around the beach and then yeah, how do you get into archaeology? Yeah, but the amount of other saddos. If we have that. any archaeologists uh, listening, study it. Can you like email me and like just let me know if you've got any archaeological digs happening soon? Because I really want to join in and just stand there. An old friend of mine, um, I haven't spoke to her in years, but she's an archaeologist now. I think she studied at uni. I think she's based in Scotland, and they do archaeological. Again, another episode of words James can't say. <laughs> archaeological digs. Man, I'm desperate to just. Why do I have to do an archaeological degree to become an archaeologist? Why can't I just learn on the job? But I think archaeology isn't what we think it is. It's not like going into Egyptian tombs and finding buried treasure and stuff. It's mainly digging in piles of mud and finding bits of ceramics. Damn it. I want to be an explorer. I want to go look for things. I want to be like, I just want to find El Dorado. I mean, you can do that if you own back. Just get some funding and have a good time. Yeah, maybe that's what I have to do. Maybe I have to convince some really stupid millionaire who's got money to waste 
that I want to go to Panama and have a butcher's for Sir Francis Drake's grave and then just go on a big holiday. Yeah, I mean, it's worth a go. If you don't ask, you don't get. Anybody know anyone? <laughs> anyway. I would fund you if I could, but I haven't been furloughed, so. No. <laughs> when I get a job, I'll fund your expeditions. We'll start a GoFundMe. GoFundMe. Go fund Ryan to go to Panama and have a look for his grave. I'll definitely do that. I'll bring, I'll bring <laughs> someone along with me. It'd be brilliant. So, um, yeah, that is Francis Drake Part 2. Oh, now, I want to just caveat the end of this uh, episode with just this little paragraph I wrote. So, Sir Francis Drake is seen by many in England and in the maritime world as a hero. But if recent events have taught us anything is that we should not sugarcoat history and look through it with rose-tinted glasses. Yes, Drake was a hero to many, and uh, for a lot of other people, someone to look up to. But he was not perfect. At the end of the day, he was a criminal. Whether it was official or not, he was a criminal, and he did bad things to many people, and it's important to tell that story too, which I hope that we've done in this episode about Drake, we've 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 brought up the good and we've brought up the bad aspects of him and what he's done. That's what people do is a podcast that hopes to tell the story of the human condition. If you look at our bio, it will say, quote, a podcast discussing people who have done some inspiring things, truly awesome things, and those who probably shouldn't have done what they did. Maybe there is no such thing as good or bad people. Just people being people who make good or bad decisions. Very eloquently put. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. Recently, um, we, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure, James, you've seen recently um, uh, statues of Columbus around the Americas are being torn down now, left, right and centre. Yep. Uh, in fact, some of them have been beheaded, which I think is fantastic. Yep. Um if you haven't listened already, if you're new to us, um, we have an episode on Christopher Columbus that James was telling us about. Um, the guy is not someone to celebrate. The bloke didn't fucking found America, man. It's what pisses me off. No. The guy's a fucktard. He thought he was, look- he was looking for India and found America. The only reason you have statues is because apparently he founded your country, but he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't even find mainland America. He found the Caribbean. And he was banished from it because he was a cunt. His own people banished him. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Yes, so he's not someone to celebrate, right? Yes, he's famous in that he, you know, is uh, what was sort of like the catalyst or like the, if if, as we said earlier, uh, before we recorded, he's like that first domino that pushed over, knocking all the other dominoes, which has led to where we are now today. In that sense, yes, he helped to discover that region for Europeans and then, you know, helped with the, the Spanish, then got their empire. And, you know, like I say, as the dominoes fall, we, we become who we are today. In that sense, yes, you can recognise him for that, but he is not a man that you should be celebrating and nor should you still have Columbus Day to remember this person. Absolutely this not. caused a genocide and wiped out millions of human beings and is a piece of shit in our opinion yeah so that's that's our opinion on that now in the uk particularly in london as well we have a lot of statues there are statues on pretty much every street there's fucking loads of them loads of statues and what what has come to light recently is um some of these p- 
people who have statues after them when you look into their history you find out that they're not brilliant people in fact we've we've had one which you guys listening may be aware of in bristol which is a city down um the sort of southwest coast of england not on the coast sorry on, just down on the southwest um of a man called edward colston now edward colston the reason there's a statue to this guy is because he made a shitload of money he was a merchant and in his old age which is probably down to guilt I put a lot of that money into local charities which helped Bristol like putting the schools and all that sort of stuff. Now, in 1825, I believe that's the right date, they put a statue to him to honour that man and all the good things he did for Bristol. But I imagine either people didn't care or they weren't told how he made his money. Now, that statue has been up, as I say, for like nearly 200 years, right? And only now, in 2020, has that statue been pulled down and is the vast majority of us aware of how this guy made his money. If you don't know, this guy made his money from trading slaves, around 84,000 of them in his lifetime, which made him a shitload of money. And 12,000 of those were children and the majority of them died on transport. That's how this guy made his money. And yet there are statues to this guy. And what we're finding out is when you look at a lot of the statues that we have around London, they come from sort of imperialist England. And actually, a lot of these people have made their money through some dark means and have made their money off the back of suffering. And for that reason, people want them sort of torn down or we want plaques to represent the good and the bad to them and be, just be very representative of all aspects of these people. Now, I know I've just waffled a bit, but that's kind of the point of what that last paragraph I said was at the, at the end of this podcast. We don't like that sh history can be sugar-coated or seen through rose-tinted glasses. History, you have to encompass all aspects of history. There are good and bad to almost anyone. Um, and so I hope that we continue to do that in the future and have done so in previous episodes. And the same, I and James will continue to do as we move forward. Yeah, th this is the this is the main problem with fucking British education. I can't speak for education around the world. I was taught in England. Why, why I'm finding out more about our country doing these podcasts than I ever did in school, like ever. Yeah. Why, yeah. Like, why am I having to do my own research to find out that fuck we were the bad guys? Because in school it was what was it? What was it? Ten sixty six. We lost to the French. Boo. Uh, and then we recaptured it or whatever, and we fought back against the French and. All these great things. We won the wars. Yeah. yeah. And every time we, I... we focus on slavery, whether you're reading like books about it, or I remember in school we watched Mississippi Burning, which is a great film. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's a fucking uh, harrowing watch. Mm. And anything to do with racism, it was like To Kill a Mockingbird. So like, why is it America? It's like America does this, America does this, be angry at America. But it's like, no. Like, oh, America has massive problems, but so do we, and we just can't fucking shift our problems onto them. What well, we'll, yeah. why if you see a petition going around about teaching about the British colonization and stuff, don't get defensive and be like, "Oh, we don't we don't want to teach our kids to be with the bad guys." It's not that; it's teaching your children to be a well-rounded human being. So fucking sign it, yeah. please. Yeah, um, in in our in our country, uh, in our history lessons, you'll be taught um, Henry the Eighth, uh, his six wives, and which ones were divorced, beheaded, and died. You'll learn that song. Um, but I would argue that 
learning about Henry VIII is not so relevant today as it is to probably learn more about his daughter, Queen Elizabeth I. And uh, I'd like to think, if it's not been sort of made clear already so far in this episode, Queen Elizabeth I, you could argue, is more influential to the beginning of British imperialism than any other monarch before her. Without her, Walter Raleigh would not have discovered Roanoke and made a settlement on the Americas, probably. You know, without her, Sir Francis Drake maybe wouldn't become that famous privateer who navigated around the world. And without her, you know, putting commissions out there, we may not have, you know, um, defeated the Spanish and taken over the Caribbean for ourselves and created this empire. You know, Sir Francis Drake and Queen Elizabeth, you could argue they are almost that... That 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 one that first domino piece that has to fall for all of it to start going. They're almost they're very influential in history. Yeah, it's and the, the, but the thing with statues especially is you don't learn your history from statues. I've no. never it, like it's just not the case. The statues, as we met, we had a conversation before the podcast. Statues are there in celebration of a person. They're not in there for education. If you want to educate mm. yourself, like go to a lecture or whatever, go to a museum, go to something yeah. like this. Or we shouldn't forget about Edward Colston or uh, Francis Drake. If you're like and people like that that delved into slavery, we shouldn't forget about them because you need to learn from this and become better in future. But don't fucking celebrate them. Maybe mm-hmm. Francis Drake's a bit of a hazy one, but uh, Edward Colston in particular, you can't like. Just because a man donated to charity does not undo a lifetime of wrongdoings. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, it's a big thing at the minute. And obviously, before that statue got pulled down, I didn't have a fucking clue who Edward Colston was. I don't think anyone did, and now we know. Me neither. And that's the point. And I think that num- that I think that wraps up exactly what you just said, in that. We don't learn our history from statues. We learn it through museums. Statues are there to celebrate. That statue of Edward Colston had been up there for, say, nearly 200 years, and I had no idea who he was or what he'd done. That statue has not taught me anything. It's just there to celebrate someone who I'm not aware of. And if anything, now that statue might get put into a museum once it's dredged out of that canal. And then if I visit the local museum of Bristol, I'll see that statue and I'll, it, next to that will have a plaque and it will tell me exactly who that person is and I will have learnt more. I think I might be wrong about this, but I read something earlier. Russia has like a park or something where they collected all of the statues of all their old like evil fucking people and put them all together. And you can go to visit this and be like, these are the people that statues who we removed, but we wanted to keep their statues. And that's education because it's like, it's a park full of, dickheads essentially that's interesting that's interesting i like that i like that it's a place to learn yeah it's literally you go to this place to look at the statues to acknowledge what they did you don't just walk past them on your way to fucking weatherspoons and be like oh is that statue that's cool and then just carry on yeah yeah no Although nobody I, I, yeah i do want there to still be a tradition of being drunk and putting cones on top of heads yeah absolutely some statues need to stay like there's a lot of there's a lot of very good statues. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. This is a weird argument about statues. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's not just about statues. It is about a wider thing, uh, and that's not something we can get into at the moment because it is the end of the podcast. Um, I know we went off on a wee bit of a tangent there, but I do think it was relevant to talk about it, guys. Uh, that was Sir Francis Drake Part Two. Um, he was an interesting guy. He is a very interesting guy, and you know, he's he's worth looking into as well. Um, 
if you are interested as well, check out his distant cousin, Sir Walter Raleigh. If we don't do an episode on it, you, you will find out eventually if we do or not, because we'll do it. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode of Sir, Wal uh, Sir Francis Drake. I knew you said Sir Walter Raleigh then. He's a fascinating bloke, and his accomplishments cannot be ignored. Next week, no. we are not yet sure. Uh, I've decided. Who you have? I I said to Ryan before the episode. Uh, I have names knocking around, but I don't know who to do, and I I have decided. Who have we got? So, so so basically, we kind of take it in turns. Do bad guys, good guys. It kind of like recently has become a bit all over the place. But I'm going to do a really good guy in a okay. really awful story. So it's kind of a it's kind of a mismatch. This guy is called Frank Edward Ray. And he was a school bus driver, and he was held hostage with a school bus full of kids. Whoa! So, and he was a fucking awesome guy. It's a really, it's a really quite upsetting, but also nice, and it's it's it was a fucking emotional roller coaster. So prepare for that. Wow! Well, look forward to that, everyone. Uh, we've got what was the name again? Uh, Frank Edward Ray. Yeah, Frank Edward Ray next week. Wow! Look forward to that. All right then, guys. Um thank you very much for listening make sure you hit us up on all the social medias uh, you'll find us on instagram at that's what people do podcast you'll find us on facebook at that's wpd find us on twitter at that's wpd if you have any suggestions uh for something you'd like us to talk about drop us an email at that's what people do podcast at gmail.com um i've noticed quite a load of people have started recently following us which is fantastic like hi everyone if you are new to this podcast hi welcome Thank you very much for listening. If you've been listening to us from day one, hi. Glad to have you back. Like, staying with us. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoy the podcast. We enjoy doing it. And we will see you next week. Speak to you soon. Goodbye. of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.